Hello and welcome back to Jack's Corner. I am Tarzan Bonanno, and this week we are sitting down again with our founder, Jack Figgle, talking about his professional history. So, where do you want to begin with this one, Jack? Uh, well, Tarzan, uh, glad to be back, of course, and uh, uh, might as well just start at the beginning from when I graduated from college in 1976. Uh, I got an engineering degree from the University of Rochester, and uh, it was the bicentennial year. Uh, people today don't remember much of that or don't even know what that was, but it was the 200th anniversary of America. And uh, my first job the day after graduation, in fact, was here in Washington at the Federal Power Commission as an engineer doing computer modeling, which is exactly what I tried to study when I was in college. So I had, I had the perfect job in the government. Federal, it was a federal appointment, and it was exactly what I wanted to do and uh, exactly the place I wanted to do it. So things were really going along quite sweet. It was, it was really, really nice. I had a, a, a one-bedroom apartment. Actually, it wasn't even an apartment. It was an efficiency on Capitol Hill in downtown DC. And I walked to work every day um, because the office where I worked was at North Capitol and H Street. And I lived at uh, C Street Southeast. So it was about a 10 block walk across the Capitol Plaza in front of the uh, congressional buildings uh, up, up the North Capitol Street to the office and um, worked nine to five and uh, was uh, you know, just uh, getting involved with uh, how the engineering group at the Federal Power Commission did its job. So you went from Rochester, New York for college and immediately hopped all the way to the nation's capital in its yep. 200th anniversary. Yep. So I was, I was in Washington for the bicentennial summer of 1976. Uh, and in fact, for the July 4th weekend, when it was the actual celebration, my parents and two sisters came and spent three or four days here going to all the bicentennial events. And the five of us lived in my efficiency apartment for all that time. No, no, there, there's no way you, that that could have worked. How, how many of there were you? Uh, you said five, five of us. Five of yep. you in what yep. essentially would be a studio apartment yep. basically yep. it was one one bed the yeah, kitchen stove everything's in the same room not, not even a bed it was a it was a day bed it was a couch that turned into a bed a futon <laughs> uh, yeah oh my god yeah, essentially. so uh, how, how did that go how did that work out for you <laughs> it was it was fine my sisters are younger uh five and ten years so they were in high school and junior high school. Uh, my parents, let's see, in 76, they were in their 40s. And uh, I was in my early 20s, just right out of college. So uh, the one, one, one funny story, uh, I remember when my mother first came uh, and into the apartment, uh, me being a bachelor and not one to clean up after myself, there was a sink full of dishes. Um, in the kitchen, there was a small kitchen and then a small bathroom and one big room that was both 
the sitting room and the bedroom. But in the kitchen uh, and the sink were all these dirty dishes. And DC is known for its cockroaches and black bugs. And they were having a feast in my sink on all the food that was left over. And my, my mother was just absolutely beside herself uh, at, at all the bugs that were spread throughout out the kitchen. So the first, the first thing we had to do was clean up the apartment to be livable for them. <laughs> Fair enough. So at your work, what was it like? Um, well, I started, you know, as a GS5 entry-level engineer. And, and, and uh, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, I, I, I just, I had an engineering uh, position according to the civil service rules. And um, uh, entry level was what they gave to college graduates okay. uh, when you first got out. Um, so you didn't have to start at the lowest level of like a clerk. Um, a GS5 was the entry level for a professional um, career path. Okay. Uh, and in the technical field, you then got promoted from GS5 to 7 to 9 to 11. So you, because technical uh, positions were in demand, the government uh, tried to attract people to come and work by giving them fast promotions with pay raises comparable to try to keep up with industry. So did you apply uh, to that job or did they seek you out? Uh, no, I applied to it. Um, I applied during my senior year of college. I actually came to DC and interviewed uh, for for a job in Washington, and the uh, uh, the a friend of mine uh, that I worked with a lot in college knew the chairman of the Federal Power Commission, and so I got an interview with the top guy, who then sent me to the IT shop, and essentially said behind the scenes, "Here, hire this kid," and that's how I got the job. Uh, and then at the en end of the summer, uh, they had to pull some strings and write the words correctly to convert my summer appointment into a permanent position so that I could stay on permanently uh, and and continue to work for them. They liked the work I did, and um, they wanted me to, to stay on, and, and they did everything they could. They had to work the job description that went through the civil service commission's official hiring process to match the exact wording that was on my resume. <laughs> so they this had to match is what I'm good at, and so, this is my job position. Yeah, yep. And uh, so I got hired, and I worked for the government for five years, um, ended up doing computer modeling and uh, special assignments, uh, was assigned at, after my second year to work on oversight of the construction of a natural gas pipeline from Alaska, uh, became expert uh, in that pipeline's design uh, and how the gas flowed and everything. And in fact, so expert that uh, my third year with the government, I was detailed to work on the White House staff to help President Jimmy Carter decide which of three competing pipeline routes to uh, approve and um, was flying all over the country representing the U.S. government on this particular project. So I, I accelerated quickly. And then my fourth and fifth year with the government, they created an agency just for that pipeline project called the Office of the Federal Inspector. Uh, and I went and worked for them 
uh, designing the computer systems that they were using for oversight uh, and permit tracking and project scheduling. Uh, and so I, for those last two years, I was actually on uh, the White House staff in this special agency that was set up just for it. Um, then in 1981, after five years, um, the uh, local regional director for the software company whose product we were using asked me if I knew anybody uh, who uh, knew project management, knew computer software, and knew something about government procurement that I could recommend because he was looking for a salesman to hire to do those things for their company. Uh, they were the specialty in project management, and that's why they needed that particular expertise. And I volunteered myself, and he said, oh, that'd be terrific. We'd love to hire you, but we, we cannot approach you for ethical reasons. But if you come to us, then we can certainly consider you. And uh, so that's what happened. I applied for the job, uh, had dinner with him, and he made the offer right then and there. Uh, so I re re retired, not retired, but resigned from the government and went to work for a software company that was based in London with the U.S. headquarters in Houston. Okay, and so there's in the US. sales office. And the sales office was in here in Alexandria. So um, I worked two years in sales covering the Middle Atlantic states and the civilian government agencies. And after two years, they came to me and said, we'd like to uh, uh, expand our marketing department to have more sales experience and more technical knowledge uh, down in Houston. And so would you like to go to Houston and, and work in marketing? So they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. They doubled my salary, uh, paid my expenses to move. Uh, and uh, so I went to Houston, and after three years in Houston, I was uh, head of all U.S. marketing for this software company. Um, and in the course of working in Houston, I managed the uh, procurement and uh, technical benchmark testing that the U.S. Navy conducted for uh, acquiring project scheduling systems for all the naval shipyards in the world. Uh, Pearl Harbor, Philadelphia Naval Shipyard, Puget Sound, Los Angeles, everywhere, uh, San Diego. And uh, we won the competitive bid and I was attributed for having won the award and it was the largest purchase order the company ever got for $7.8 million worth of computer software in 1983, I think it was. Uh, then in, uh, so a couple of years later, uh, in 86, they said, we want to, uh, release a PC version of our software. At that time, it was just mini computer mainframes. PC weren't, you know, nearly what they are today. Uh, and as head of us marketing, would you go over to the world headquarters and look at what R and D's coming up with? So on one of my trips to, to London, I, uh, went to the R&D center, they gave me a demonstration. I came back and I said to my boss, this will never sell. It's too complicated, too hard to use. We need something that does this, 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 and this. And he said, well, write that all up into a functional spec and we'll send it over to the, uh, the board and see what they say. And within a week, they offered me the job to go to England 
and run the development of the product that I spec'd out because everyone in the world agreed that's what we needed. Oh, okay then, you're just over so here went, being you're just uh, over here doing your job, and people are just like, oh, nope, nope, you're the boss now. Go go to a whole other country to handle this thing. Uh, so I went over to England and I um, I got the the PC product released in six months, which was a record development time. We came out with a brand new packaging, a whole new marketing strategy and uh, perspective. And we were in the market with a PC project management tool uh, five years before Microsoft Project came out. <laughs> um, so I ended up being director of all product marketing. I did such a good job with the PCs that they promoted me. So I was director uh, and in the lock, we were owned by Lockheed. So a director in Lockheed, you know, was, you know, a high level position. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to the point where I actually was sent to uh, a middle management training course in Calabasas, California, at the Lockheed headquarters uh, that they called the Lockheed Institute. And I spent a week with Lockheed directors from around the world uh, doing all sorts of management training exercises to learn how to be a, a better manager. And uh, I got some really interesting stories and experiences from from that week. Uh, in uh, in California. Uh, so I uh, ended up being director of all PC, of all product marketing. And then in 1991, the company was sold by Lockheed to a company called Lu- uh, Lucas Industries, uh, familiar with Lucas Oil and Lucas Auto Parts. Well, they thought they were going to get into the software business. So they bought this company from Lockheed uh, Lockheed was trying to concentrate back on its aerospace business and get out of the software business themselves. So they sold it off and I went to the first senior management meeting and they said that their strategy was to focus on mainframe software sales and consulting services. They did not think there was any market for PC project management. So that didn't last long. And based on how you mentioned, um, uh the fact that they thought they would get into it. I don't assume that they managed to stay afloat. (laughs) No, no. So I went to my boss after that meeting. I said, you guys got it all wrong. PCs is the future, Uh, especially Windows. Windows hadn't come out yet. I said, graphics, uh, mouse interaction is perfect for doing project scheduling and planning. Uh, And he said, well, uh, we don't think there's a place for you in the company anymore. Uh, because we're going to go in this direction this and sounds- so if you resign if you resign we'll give you a seven month seven pack severance package uh but if you don't resign we're going to just lay you off and you won't get anything it sounds like what happened with kodak with the digital yep. cameras no right. not the future man yep. i'm yep. bankrupt yeah so uh so i left the company uh spent six months here at my apartment in uh, Virginia, uh, playing golf and going swimming every day, getting paid. Uh, it was it was it was the good life, for sure. And then you were down to one month. And then after six months, I decided, yeah, I better decide what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And so I started Fiegel Technologies International, and that's when my uh, consulting services began. Um, 
I found another PC product that was exactly what I had designed that someone in California had built that was Windows-based planning and scheduling. And he was trying to penetrate NASA down at Cape Canaveral. And uh, so he was he was trying to get into to NASA. So he was doing all kinds of customizations in his base product. And he needed somebody in Florida to sort of hold the hands of, of the NASA people in learning how to switch from their paper schedules into a computerized schedule for planning all the activities it took to get all the stuff together to launch each shuttle mission. Um, so this is about 1992, 93. Uh, and uh, I was on assignment being paid by the company in California to work at NASA. I had an apartment. Uh, well, I actually lived in, in a, out of a hotel for three months in uh, Cape Canaveral uh, and uh, Cocoa Beach. And I remember working at night in my hotel room because I didn't have anything else to do but to work and watching TV. And all of a sudden the news came on and bombs were landing in Baghdad. The first Iraq war started. Um, and I spent uh, those months down at uh, NASA uh, watching, you know, the, uh, uh, what I, maybe it was the second Iraq war, but anyway, I remember bombs in Baghdad and Wolf Blitzer on TV uh, telling us about it. Uh, but I was, I was training the NASA schedulers who are ostensibly graphics designers because they used to use paper tape with typewriters to make big Gantt charts that they photocopied every day and distributed them. And that was their schedule for the next 24 hours. Uh, and I, I had to teach some of those, some of those folks, it wasn't their fault, how to use a mouse, how to do basic things with the computer. Yep. And, um, well, I mean, it just recently, did, yeah, what, what we did was we slowly sort of page by page or section by section of their master schedule, converted them from the paper charts to the computer charts. And nobody knew the difference when we converted. Um, and that's how we, we went through this. So I spent several months there uh, at NASA. Uh, and then uh, through, you know, various contacts and word of mouth, that guy in California had me working uh, with the U.S. Navy uh, doing scheduling for building aircraft carriers. Uh, I went to work at Lockheed in California and commuted for six months to uh, Ontario, California, where they were converting C-130s and overhauling them into gunships uh, for the Air Force. Uh, and uh, then got involved with a advanced project scheduling tool that was server-based, uh, but very sophisticated in how you could customize it, especially doing resource forecasting with algorithms. Uh, and that got me into uh, Mack Trucks research and development uh, up in uh, Allentown. And I spent three years on site at Mack Trucks, first designing their system, and then I ran it for them. Um, and after Mack Trucks was winding down and they wanted to go into maintenance mode, uh, I just happened to get a call from a friend who was working at Merck Pharmaceuticals. And they were doing the same thing with the same software product. They need someone come in and design 
the system, get it up and running, and customize it to how they did R&D on drugs. So I took my expertise and uh, applied it to drug R&D with Merck, uh, which also led to some contracts at Bristol-Myers Squibb, uh, GlaxoSmithKline, Johnson & Johnson, uh, and uh, uh, up until about 10, 12 years ago, I was uh, working with all these pharmaceutical companies designing their project management, research and development uh, management tools. Mm. Uh, then my last sort of day job was a, a pro bono job uh, in that uh, my parish was building a new church building and the bishop and the chancery office insisted that we have a, have a project manager assigned uh, to coordinate the activities between the contractor and the architect uh, that was not the pastor because the pastor had run the parish. And so they wanted a professional project manager. We, uh, I was on the planning committee and we searched around and uh, project managers were asking a $100,000 fee for half-time work per year. And that was not quite in our budget. So I uh, put together my resume and with the planning committee's support, we sent me my name and a, another gentleman who was a former or Army Corps of Engineers, hands-on kind of guy, I sent our resumes to the Chancery Office. They accepted them. And I spent two years managing construction of a $5 million new church. Hmm. Uh, and we were successful in that we came in uh, 2% under budget in terms of cost. And we were only about two months late from the original schedule. And that was because the civil engineer screwed up and uh, didn't put on the drawings where the utility lines came in. Uh, and uh, they put the basement of the new building right smack where the lines came in. So, so what state was this in? Sorry? So, sorry, you were in the middle of talking. I want to ask what state was that church in? Oh, Virginia, right here. Yeah. Okay. Because I mean, you uh, moved a lot. You moved around a lot, you know. Oh it, yeah. <laughs> you said, and my yeah. last well, one, I'm I, like, well, you could have been in Florida or PA, but nope, you were here. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, in terms of uh, location, you know, I started my career in Washington and then moved to Virginia with the software company when I left the government, and with the software company, I transferred to Houston and London for my job, but I kept the house that I had bought in 1981 and rented it out while I was overseas and in Houston. And in 91, when I came back um, and started the consulting business, uh, I raised the rent on the renters enough that they moved out. I moved in and uh, all the other work and travel and stuff was just that, travel. Uh, I've been living in this house since 1991 um, in the same place that I bought. So I've actually owned the place since 1981. So going back 40 some years, uh, I'm still in the same house. <laughs> Not, uh, it's a lot of years to be in the same house. Yeah. Well, I fixed it up a few times. I've added on, uh, put a garage out back, uh, and we'll talk about uh, maybe next time uh, when my uh, hobby of publishing books for the church that I also started back in the 90s has turned into my day job. Uh, I needed more space for the warehouse, and so now I built a garage out back, half of which is for the car, and the other half is full of books. All right, then. Uh, 
so that was my yeah uh, construction was my last sort of day job activity i didn't get paid for it uh but uh Ever since then, I've just been doing my hobbies, uh, which was publishing books and ecumenical work with Orientella Illumin. Um, and next week, we will get into uh, the founding of Orientella uh, Illumin Foundation specifically, as well as EC pubs and so on till the end of the year. All right. Very good. Talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Jack's Corner. Come back next week for Oriental Illumin's Origins.